0: Welcome to the spiritguides.co.uk network radio with your host Mark Chatterton. Tonight's guest is author and healer Chris Thomas, who has written 10 books on the subjects of healing and the path of human history. These include everything you always wanted to know about your body, but so far nobody's been able to tell you. Also, the universal soul, the human soul, and more recently, this year the Anunnaki plan, or the human plan. So welcome, Chris. Hi. Okay, I'm going to start just to ask you a little bit about your background, because I know that you're based in South Wales and you run a healing practice with your wife, Di, and that you write regularly for the Cygnus News magazine. Can you tell us a little bit about your past history and how you came to be a healer, first of all?
1: Um, I, I suppose it all began about 30 years ago, really. Um, I found myself in a position where um, somebody needed help, and for some strange reason, I found I could help, and this was on a healing level. And as I didn't know anything about healing at the time, I thought I'd better investigate it, and really, so it's all stemmed from there. Um, over the years, I've, I've pushed myself really to do things that I wanted to do, and so. I suppose for the last, I don't know, 14, 15 years, uh, people have been calling me more of a psychic surgeon than a healer because I tend to work very directly with whatever the problem is within uh, you know, my patient's body.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about this psychic surgery. Could you explain to our listeners how this works, how you go about doing this, please? Thank you. <laughs> or, if, if it's possible. I
1: can, a girl. Mm. <laughs> I can do. Um, Basically, over the years, uh, you know, a, a lot of healers have uh, what you could call an empathic response with the people they work on. In other words, they feel what the patient is feeling in terms of the pain or the discomfort, whatever it is. Um, and I started to feel that, but I thought I don't want this because what the illnesses are belong to this other person, and I don't want to take on these other person's problems. So what I said to myself was, what I want to do is to be able to see. What is going on within somebody's body so I can work on the problem directly? And this is the direction that I took um, in the end. Um, certainly, as I say, for the last 14 15 years, I've been able to scan the body in the same way as, say, a medical MRI scanner does it, uh, and also to read DNA because DNA is, is a person's history. This is what so-called junk DNA is, it's people with long-term memories of things Uh, and so by being able to target specific areas of the body and actually see what the energy patterns I was working with were doing within the body and it meant that I was able to work very specifically on regions that uh, required work. So that's essentially what psychic surgery is really all about is If you think of medical surgery, uh, then what they do is work on specific organs and specific problems. And this is what a psychic surgeon does, but without obviously breaking the skin or uh, cutting organs out. It's sort of repairing the body uh, whilst it's still working.
0: So, apart from doing all your healing and and psychic surgery, you've also written quite a, a lot of books about the history of the earth. And I understand you're able to access the Akashic Records, um, which is about the history of the Earth. Could you tell us a little bit about how you're able to do this and what these records tell us that conventional spiritual teachers don't?
1: Sure. Um, I found out at about age seven, I think it was, that um, somehow I could access uh, information which other people didn't seem to have access to. Um, but, and then obviously it took me a long time to work out quite what it was I was accessing. So essentially, um, I seem to be hardwired into the record-keeping aspect of the human mass consciousness, which is what essentially the Akashic is. Uh, the word Akashic is ancient Sumerian. It's, uh, it basically just means that, it means record. So everything that occurs on Earth, Um, is recorded within this region uh, that has become known as the Akashic. But the Akashic itself is um, solar system-wide, so it doesn't only apply to Earth, it applies to the solar system, to the galaxy, and ultimately to the universe as a whole. So it is possible to access through the Akashic every single event that has ever occurred within this universe since it was first created. Now, the purpose of the Akashic is one generated specifically by the creationary source, shall we say. Because the purpose of the universe is to investigate on behalf of this creator, whatever it is the creator wants to investigate. And so the Akashic is a record of everything that has ever occurred within this universe. So when the universe collapses and goes back to this creationary source, all the answers that of the questions it ever asked are stored within the Akashic itself. Um, the way I access it is, it, it's I was born to it essentially, that's what it feels like to me, so I'm sort of hardwired into the Akashic so I can access it at will.
0: So you don't actually go into a trance or anything like that Then, when you, when you access no. it, you just sort of think about it and it's there. It,
1: it, it, it's there. Um, it, it's really it's a question of asking a question of my asking a question of, of something that I want to find out about. Um, but the problem with the akashic is is that every single thing that has ever occurred anywhere at any time is recorded within it. And so the problem becomes not gaining information from the akashic, but actually tracking down the information that I was looking for. So it's like if you have um, an immense library that is as big as you could ever imagine a library to be. You can only work within the library if you know what it is you're looking for, because you, you, know, you could spend the rest of your life wandering around the library, picking up books and reading it and gaining knowledge, um, but it doesn't necessarily get you the knowledge or information that you are actually looking for. Um, this can be anything. It can be, it can be an individual's history, but an individual's history is very difficult to track down uh, because, uh, essentially, uh, an individual's DNA contains all of their past life memory, everything that the person has ever been since they first were created. So it's very difficult to work with to find a record of an individual within the Akashic because unless that individual has, shall we say, returned back to source, returned back to the creator, then all of their memories are primarily contained within their DNA. So the Akashic really contains records of events, things that occur. Um, And In order to work within the Akashic, what you have to do is to come at it from several different directions. So instead of Let's, let's just say you know you just asked me a question, how does the Akashic work? Instead of my then asking the Akashic the question of how it works, I have to come up at it from about 25 different directions because of the threads that connect into each and every event because the people are involved, other events are involved or connected. And so it's quite a, quite a complex route to actually arrive at what seem to be fairly simple answers. Um, but the complexity of it is, uh, is quite immense and it's taken me an awful long time to get used to working within it. And so I feel like my books trace my history of uh, my ability to negotiate, uh, navigate within the Akashic. So the, my first book, The Journey Home, um, contains what you could consider to be fairly simple and straightforward pieces of information as I was beginning to find my way. But by the time uh, that we get up to the uh, Project Human Extinction, for example, Uh, then what we have are quite complex uh, events that interlink together. uh, Um, And I try to explain them in a way in which people can understand.
0: So I was going to say, are there any other people like you that can access the Akashic as well? Are you aware of other people like that at all?
1: Um, yes, of course there are.
0: You know, not unique with it. No, um,
1: but they each have their own way of doing it. Uh, a lot of people do need to go into a trance, uh, into some kind of meditation, or work with spirit guides, which I don't. You know, I, I don't work with guides. Um, not in uh, the only. The only time I ever work with guides is if they're connected with a patient I'm working on. But beyond that, uh, then, no, I don't work with spirit guides at all. So my access to the Akashic is direct. It's it's literally like reading a book that's open in my mind, Uh, whereas other people will access it through different means.
0: So if anyone wanted to access the Akashic and they were spiritually minded, would they be able to, to do it themselves or that they needed a sort of teacher to do this? Um.
1: It can be done, but yes, it's preferable to have um, a route map, shall we say, of how you start getting into the process. Um, and also, it takes a lot of practice and determination to um, actually to be able to access, to access it directly, <laughs> purely and simply because of the, um, the amount of information that's in there and sometimes apparently contradictory information that's in there. But it can be done. Um, In fact, many years ago, I developed a meditation to help people to do this. So it's quite a simple meditation. Um, And by using that meditation, then effectively it's teaching people to access the Akashic.
0: Okay. Now, I want to move on to some of the different aspects in in your books. The first thing I wanted to ask you is, in your book, uh, Planet Earth, The Universe's Experiment, and in your capacity as a healer you've mentioned that you've come across patients who've got alien implants or chips in them are these actually f- yes. is that right oh yes. yeah is this are these actual physical or psychic objects that that are there and have you actually removed them
1: um i wouldn't call them psychic objects but they are energy they, they are made, you know everything in the universe is made of energy ultimately um, what uh, what we see as something physical um, is purely simply because our brains are tuned to the frequencies that that object exists at. So, um, I don't know if you've got a desk in front of you at the moment, um, that desk is actually made out of energy. If you break it down to its atomic structure, what you see is an awful lot of space held apart by energy patterns and therefore the desk itself isn't solid in an energy sense, but our senses are tuned to um, um, accepting the desk as being a solid object, a physical object. But if you create something that is of a slightly different set of energy patterns, then our brains are not tuned to be able to see those energy patterns. And these, this is the level that these implants and chips exist at. Um so when I've encountered them in people's bodies, they are in an energy form But because, I, again, I've trained myself to actually track these things down and work out what they are and how to see them, then, yes, I will see them on a psychic level and read the energy patterns that they're constructed from to work out quite what it is these chips are designed to do or what effect they're having on the person's body. More often than not, the people who've consulted me with these kinds of implants um, know that there's something there within their system that is beyond the physical, but can't understand it or can't explain it. But it's these chips are having the effect. Um, There are several different types of these things. Um, They're very rare, I have to say. So I know a lot of people are fascinated by these things, Um, but essentially... Um, no more than about 1% of the total human population on the planet will have any of these chips at all within their system. So 99% of the population do not have these things. Only 1% do. Uh, I saw a lot of them because um, I I'd, I'd trained myself to be able to see them and deal with them and how to work them out and to remove them from people's bodies. But most healers wouldn't encounter them at all because 99% of the population wouldn't have them. But the effects they can have on the body can be quite devastating um, uh, and very physical. Um, do you want to go into a little bit?
0: Yeah, if you could sort of perhaps give an example or two of someone um, you've dealt with and, and how it's affected that person.
1: Okay. Um There's one type which has um, generally very physical effects on people, which goes back to the time of Atlantis. Um, Now, Atlantis was a period of experimentation. It was the first time that human beings had existed on anywhere within the universe, and so people decided to play a little bit to see what it was like to be human, and so. At the time, those who were on the planet developed this little chip, which was a genetic accelerator. So what you could do with this with this chip is to program it to do just about anything you wanted. so you could let's say make yourself fifteen foot tall um, you could take on say animal genes. So if you worked with a particular animal group or were fascinated by a particular animal group and you wanted to reflect that you worked with that particular group, then you could take on, say, uh, I don't know, tiger genes. So you could literally color the human body so that by taking on a tiger gene, then your skin would take on the pattern of marks that the tiger has on its skin, that kind of thing. Um, some people went a bit a lot further than that and created some bizarre situations, which is why for some people the memories of Atlantis are a little bit scary. But in this lifetime, this current lifetime, uh, people who carry these chips, they're being switched on because not forget what we're doing in this current lifetime is going through a shift in consciousness. We are changing our consciousness levels We are going from what we have been, more or less back to what we were at the time of Atlantis. And as we take on the extra soul energy that is needed to raise our consciousness levels, these chips are being activated. Um, And they can have some quite bizarre effects on people's bodies. Um, I'll give you an example. I have worked with people who are turning into mermaids. Literally, their, their legs are beginning to fuse together and they're losing the use of their legs. The pelvis is beginning to change shape. Um, I worked on somebody who had um, a fin growing out of their spine, as a, as a fish would have a fin, that they'd had surgically removed some years before. Uh, that's one example. Um, Oh, God, there's hundreds of them. Uh, we had somebody who had taken on tree genes. So in other words, you know the Lord of the Rings story uh, where the Grants, which were talking and walking trees. Essentially, this is what people, this, these people were turning into, were um, humans, but the, the skin was changing more to tree bark. Um, the Their feet were growing... Um, protrusions, that were like tree roots. But in this lifetime, of course, the biggest problem with that was that as we don't have our full consciousness within the body, then the chips cannot be fully active, and therefore they only create half the situation, not the full situation that it would have been in the time of Atlantis. So it creates massive physical problems. So for people who were turning into ants, for example, into these uh, human trees, um. They were doing what a tree does, which is to pick up everything that's in the atmosphere <coughs> Excuse me. and work, work with it within the body, if you like, to sense what, what is going on in the world. But of course, the world is very polluted now, whereas it never was at the time of Atlantis. And so what these people were doing was taking in massive amounts of pollution out of the atmosphere and they couldn't deal with it, so their bodies were becoming increasingly polluted. Never mind about the strange changes that were taking place physically in their body. So, yes, yeah, so eventually um, I found a way of working with these things, of actually removing these chips out of people's bodies and then readjusting their DNA so that they uh, reverted back, if you like, to a standard human pattern so they weren't taking on these little oddities that they'd added uh, you know, 80,000 years ago, the time of Atlantis.
0: Okay, um, I just wanted to move on to the the subjects of alien races, which you mention in your book, the Human Soul, and yep. that various aliens have visited Earth either as physical creatures or as non physical creatures. How how do we as humans need to be aware of aliens, and what would what should we be doing about them?
1: Nothing, basically. Right, <laughs> no, completely. What it comes down to. Um, there are <clears throat> seven races who are would be considered alien, I suppose. Um, they're not called aliens anymore; they're called uh, extraterrestrial biological entities. Uh, that's the official name for them, given them to the uh, by the military. Um, there are seven races altogether. Uh, these are the, the famous Greys. Uh, the Blues, uh, there's the race that comes from Sirius, the Pleiadians, uh, there's the race that comes from a star system we've got a catalog number for, which is NGC 584. Um, there's a group of beings who are like giant crystals. And then there's another group, the, the seventh group is um, known as the Velon. And they've been causing a lot of problems as far as the Earth is concerned. But um, And so for a lot of people, they will have caused them problems and influenced a lot of what's been going on in their life. But the other six, so the six, six of those races are, if anything, working with us. They're doing everything they possibly can to help us. And the Earth undergoes the kind of energy change that we're undergoing. Uh they won't land because that would create uh too much distraction for people on earth. So they don't they don't interact with people very much directly. As the VLON has been trying to influence people in all because of some strange agendas that they have. And so the vast majority, something like ninety percent, from my own research and from talking to people who work as mediums, clairvoyants, channels, whatever. Um, and as far as the Akashic is concerned, something like 90% of all channeled material um, that, have, that humans have picked up on over the last something like 50 years are sourced from Velon, from these Velon peoples who take on all sorts of weird and wonderful disguises. So, what a lot of people think, uh, channeled material coming from angels, for example, isn't. It's coming from the Velon because of some, as I say, the strange. Um, Way they want things to happen on Earth. And it's not a very pleasant situation. But all the other six races are doing everything they can um, to prevent the VLON from influencing what's going on on Earth too much. Uh, It's just that unfortunately so many mediums, clairvoyance channels, whatever, um, are welcoming in the Velon and taking in the sort of messages that they're getting and um, creating a very false impression of what is actually going on on Earth and what is happening now. The biggest problem um, is to do with this thing about ascending to a fifth dimension. Now, it was the Velon who coined the phrase ascension in that we are ascending off the planet and that we need to move to a fifth dimension. Um, now, all of that is a complete load of rubbish. It's a complete fabrication. If you, given my experience of working with the human body and the way in which the energy patterns within the body works, a fifth dimension would relate to about our navel level. Um, so, moving to a fifth dimension means that we're becoming considerably less than we are at the moment, and ascending off the planet would totally negate the effect of our purpose for being here. We're human. We're on a physical planet. And we are trying to be the best that we can possibly be on this planet. If we move off the planet, ascend to another planet, we are failing in our task. We are failing the Creator. Um, Everything about ascension in that sense means that we would fail in everything that we have set ourselves to do. And we are so very close to completing everything that we set, the whole job that we set ourselves to do on this. So, no, the vast majority of these um, NTDE um, races are very friendly towards us, very helpful. Uh, it's only this one race, and uh, their influence is now diminishing very rapidly. They're, they're having major problems remaining within the universe for all sorts of different reasons. And unfortunately, uh it means that their influence on people uh, is becoming less and less. And so it's allowing us to move forwards in the way and in the time frame that we should be moving forwards, uh, because everything has accelerated very recently, which a lot of people, I, I suspect, are feeling uh, just now. Um, and so, uh, yes, they have influenced people. They have created difficulties and problems, but... Um those difficulties and problems are in the process of being overcome. The, the main problems they've created, I suppose, are with people like um, Freemasons. Uh, b- by that, I mean the very higher levels, you know, the 30th level and above 33rd level Freemasons are all connected into this VLAN stuff. And it's created a lot of problems because of that. A lot of influence within governments and the way governments function and that sort of thing never mind about the so-called um, Illuminati,
0: Because a lot of this is in your pre last two books, the Project Human Extinction and the and Anarchy Plan. Is that right?
1: Yeah. yeah. That, no, that's, that's, that's right. The, um, the Project Human Extinction was was written to try and say to people, this is what the background information is, and don't be taken in by it. And then the Anunnaki plan or the human plan I wrote specifically, <coughs> excuse me, um, for people who have been taken in by what the Anunnaki have been saying and what this ascension fifth dimensional stuff uh, to say it's it's a false message and this is the reason why it is a false message. Uh, because it's created a huge amount of disruption in the way in which we look at the world. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who do do very good channeling work. They want to work with that integrity, and they want to be as good as they can be in terms of being a channel. And um, it's very difficult to actually work out um, who it is, who the person is you are channeling, who the entity is you're channeling. because the VLON adopted all sorts of different disguises and they deliberately set out to mislead people. And so what the Anunnaki Plan Human Plan book is about is saying to people, think about it and think about where this story has come from and um, try and work within it and see how you can resolve what's going on with your channeling work. And instead of working with the channeled source that you are currently working with, is ask for a different one, one that your higher self can trust. Um, and so, Because essentially it's led to a great deal of confusion. A lot of people, you know, I get numerous emails from people saying that there's this mass meditation to welcome in this spacecraft or to um, switch on um, Earth crystal deposits and all this sort of stuff. And all of these are led by the v And it's creating, (coughs) excuse me, I don't know where this cough has come from. It's creating all sorts of problems for how for people in how they understand what is going on, and it is actually holding people back. And I find that very sad. Uh, By holding people back, I mean that you know we are undergoing the biggest shift in consciousness ever seen anywhere in the universe and it's preventing some people from actually completing that process, whereas what they should be doing is moving forward very rapidly.
0: Is there, um, you say that this soul integration is the, the thing that all humans are working to by the end of 2011, is that, is that correct?
1: Yes. Um, well, to explain, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll very briefly explain what, what the Akashic calls the human plan. Now, when we were on Atlantis, we had the whole soul within the body. There was none of this higher self, physical self-division and our capabilities are beyond anything I could ever possibly describe in words. Uh, But for example, we communicated psychically. We didn't speak, we didn't need writing or anything like that. We just psychically communicated with each other and psychically communicated with every living thing. Uh, We had all sorts of abilities. and we we lost we started to lose some of them, but we didn't know why we were losing them. And then um, a, a situation occurred where we had to um, effectively destroy Atlantis and get off and do all sorts of other things we needed to do. Long, long story behind that. So it took me 10 books to write about that particular story. But um, anyway, we came back to the planet about 20,000 years ago. And again, we were as we were on Atlantis, in other words, the whole soul within the human body. But we started losing many of our capabilities, many of our psychic capabilities. And what we ended up with eventually is the sort of division that we have now. We have a physical self, so the physical body, which contains roughly one quarter of the total soul, and the higher self, which makes up the remaining three quarters of the total soul. And what we seven thousand years ago we put into action a plan which was to try and find a way of bringing the whole of the soul, in other words, to reunite the higher self back into the physical body so we become a full human being again and for the last seven thousand years, this is what we have been doing is learning how to be human again because essentially the earth as a consciousness considers us to be subhuman at the moment, because a human being is defined as a physical body containing a whole soul. So, for seven thousand years, what we've been doing is living a series of lifetimes, this reincarnation, in order to experience everything that there is possible to experience by being physical on Earth. In order that what we do is collectively build up a, a, a sufficient knowledge to find out why we had problems on Atlantis and when we came back 20,000 years ago. Now we found the answer, we know what the answer is, and that was put into place um, in 2000. Um, And so since then what we've been doing is gradually increasing the amount of energy patterns that are available on the Earth to allow us to gradually bring the higher self back into the body. Um, so to get a little bit technical for a second, the Earth has, has an energy frequency of 7.56 hertz, which is basically 7.56 cycles per second. Um, and what we discovered was, was that 7.56 cycles is far too low to maintain the energy patterns of the whole soul within the physical body. Because the root chakra, the first chakra of the body of every living thing on the planet, resonates at 7.56 cycles per second. This is why the first chakra is called the root chakra because literally it roots the soul into the physical body and it roots the soul and the body to the earth. In many respects, gravity doesn't exist because it doesn't gravity isn't a major force. What keeps humans and living things on the earth, is actually the root chakra. It literally roots everything to the earth. But that 7.56 cycles per second was too low. And over the years, what we've done is to work out what that, what the basic frequency of the root chakra needs to be raised to in order for us to maintain the whole soul within the body. And the answer that we finally arrived at was that what we need the frequency to be at is 3,500 cycles per second. In other words, 3.5 kilohertz. And in was it the end of May 2000, the Earth changed her basic frequencies from the 7.56 up to the 3,500. So every living thing on Earth, apart from humans, changed at that time to this much higher frequency. And What we're doing at the moment, what humans are doing at the moment, uh, you know, being human, we're very reluctant to change. We don't like change, even though everything does change constantly. And so we've been a bit slow in catching up with what the earth has been doing to help us. And so um, the energy frequencies, as far as humans are concerned, have, have risen gradually. So by the end of November this year, don't forget that 10 years after the Earth changed her frequencies, we'd only risen from about 7.56 cycles per second up to about 12 or 13 cycles per second. But as of the start of November this year, um, the energy patterns change and accelerate. So by the beginning of November 2011, human frequencies will be at the same 3,500 cycles per second. So to put this into the context of the Mayan calendar, what is going on now is that we are um, within the calendar. There are all sorts of different cycles. And one of the major cycles is something called an epoch. Now, the last epoch of the Mayan calendar is ends on the 29th of October 2011 and this is the date where we must have reached that 3.5 kilohertz frequency level and so th- this next year is the major transition point for all humans and then from November 2011 until the 21st of December 2012 when the calendar ends Uh, It gives everybody a chance to sort themselves out and do whatever it is they need to do to either stay on the planet or leave the planet. And then on 21st of December 2012, when the existing Mayan calendar ends, a new cycle starts. So in other words, the world doesn't stop, the world doesn't end, humanity doesn't end. It's just one cycle of time completes, and we begin again. It's like the... um, the Fool card from the Tarot Pack. We've completed a whole cycle, and the Fool is be- then going to take the step into a new cycle of time. So that's what all these calendars and dates and everything else is all about. It's to do with the change in frequency. Because we set ourselves a target 7,000 years ago that um, at the latest, 7,000 years. Into the future, as that is, the end of 2011, 2012, we would regain our status as being a complete human being. In other words, the whole soul within the physical body. And this process began fully in 2000, and as, as say, the start of November this year has accelerated massively. And it comes, to this acceleration comes to an end in. Uh, November next year. Uh, the, the ultimate effect of that is that people are starting to feel pressure on them to resolve situations in their life. Um, so if you've got something, I don't know, you've got, you've got a dispute with your, with your great-uncle or something like that, which you've never resolved, that problem is going to come very much to the surface and needs to be resolved so that it allows you to move on. Because if you can't move on with it then um, unfortunately it means that you will not be able to remain on the planet now that is not a judgment nobody is standing in judgment of us and saying you failed or whatever it is the only person who stands in judgment and decides whether they're going to stay and be a part of this whole new process of change that we're undergoing is the individual themselves in other words you make a decision People no know makes the decision, but it's very much on an individual basis. So nobody, there's no judgment anywhere here, um, and it's only the individual and their higher self who can decide whether they can actually go through this process of reintegration of the soul or not. Now, it would it would be nice to think that every single person on the planet is doing that? And that I would love to happen. Believe me, I really would love that every single person who is currently physical on the planet is to go through this change. But unfortunately, and very sadly, that isn't the case. Um, A lot of people have decided that they're not in a position to go through this change. And the reasons for that are, you know, as multiple as the number of people on the planet who have made that decision. And they, um, unfortunately, will have to leave the planet. It, it, uh, nobody's throwing them off again. It, it's just a reluctance to change that is creating the situation because unless you can fit in with
0: the new energy
1: patterns, then um, it'll be impossible for people to stay on
0: Earth. When you say leave the planet, do you mean you physically die? To
1: physically die, yeah. 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 Well, it, if, if if you look at... Um, actual population figures, and I don't mean this propaganda that they put out about we have a growing population, but if you really delve into what's going on in terms of population figures, then the population is massively dropping. Um, I mean, I, I remember um, a few years ago that the German Chancellor made a speech saying that Germany's drop in population is catastrophic. And that's the word she used is catastrophic. Um, every single country in the world recorded a drop in population. Um, the The British tried to fudge it, so the British government said, "No, we've got a rising population." and then but eventually they had to admit that the the only reason we have a rising population is because of immigration. if it wasn't for the number of people moving into the country. Um, Britain's population has dropped radically um, if you look and the same applies to the birth rate if you look at um, school closures for example over the past few years I mean two years ago um, this part of you know this part of the country Wales closed 26 schools in one go which means literally there are no children to, to fill the schools so, every child in Britain is accommodated within a school. But the number of schools that are closed countrywide runs into the hundreds. And this is in the last few years because the population numbers aren't there, children, numbers of children aren't there. So, the birth rate is dropping, has, has dropped enormously and is continuing to drop. Believe it or not, infant mortality that is, children who die after birth is in Britain, for example, in some of the inner city areas in Britain is higher than third world countries. So it's the same throughout the whole of the Western world. Is All these figures are identical. The proportions of people dying and the proportions of reduction in birth rate are the same everywhere, globally, whichever country you look at. So this myth about we're having a growing population is complete rubbish. Um, never mind what the Akashic says about it, these, these are physical figures. So the Akashic obviously records it much more accurately. Um, but we peaked 10 years ago, uh, 14 years ago, in about 96, I think it was, with 7.2 billion people on the planet. We're now currently down to. Um, uh, it, it's about 4.5 billion, I think. It? 4.5? No, we're below that. It's it's currently about 3.7 billion people on the planet, so which is almost half the official figures. Um, and so, no, we have this massively dropping population. Very few children are being born, um, and what that does is to reflect people's choices in whether they stay on the planet or not and be a part of this change that is going on. Um, you know, The reason for the low birth rate is basically what's the point of being born No, You might as well wait until after all this transition has occurred and then be born then. Um, and the reason for the death rate is because um, people are exercising their choices and, and leaving the planet because they're not going to be a part of, of this change.
0: I'd like to ask you what happens after the change, is there going to be like a, a golden age on earth or will all the world's problems <laughs> be sorted or is it going to be more or less the same but better if you look?
1: I can tell you what it's going to be like in 2050 or 2100, but just quite what it's like between 2012 and 2050 is anybody's guess at the moment. Um, there is no way of knowing that, of predicting that, because nothing like this has ever happened before anywhere within the universe. But once we get past this transition phase, it's the same as all transitions. Inevitably, there are going to be problems, um, but essentially we will get through it. There's no doubt of that. Um, then we return to essentially the, the sort of state we were on at the time of Atlantis, which is the whole soul within the body. Um, we have an ability, you know, a lot of people are concerned quite matru- quite, quite uh, rightly, about pollution, for example. But if you have this kind of psychic capabilities that we have when we are in that complete soul state, then we will be able to remove pollution from the air, from the water, from the body, everything. So we will be able to clean up the planet and return it back to the pristine condition it was in before we started messing it up. Um, We will be able to what they call translocate. So if you want to travel somewhere on the planet, you project a thought, to a bit like remote viewing, to the place where you want to travel to. And then you carry the body along the thought, so it's a bit like flying, I suppose, in some respects. Um, but that's an ability that we will regain. And again, we will communicate psychically, both with people and with animals. And if you communicate psychically with animals, then there's no fear between people and animals. And therefore, we get on, um, you know, as friends. Um, our, our requirement for food will reduce considerably. So instead of the kind of food that we eat at the moment, uh, what we will revert to is the body will be able to sustain itself on clean air, water, and uh, fruit. Uh, if we needed protein, you know, the body does need protein because it's physical, so it needs protein to build itself. But what we did on Atlantis was to synthesize seaweed and we could get all the protein we required from the seaweed. So that's essentially what we're looking at, is our psychic capabilities beyond anything we've even thought of. Ability to communicate psychically with each other, all living things. We will require very little in the way of food. Uh, We will be able to clean all pollution of the planet, whether it's nuclear waste, oil, whatever it is, we will be able to destroy it, to transmute it into something else. Um, We will be able to control weather patterns. Um, Whatever it is we need to do, we will be able to do it because we can do it psychically. if If you look at the pyramids, for example, they were built psychically as psychic enhancers. That's the function of the pyramids. Um, We are incapable of building the pyramids now, with all modern technology, all building construction and everything that we've developed, we could not build even a half scale replica of the pyramids because it's been tried and failed. Uh, But the pyramids were built psychically. We could move 40 tonne blocks of stone just by thought alone, that's how they were built. So it's those kinds of capabilities that we will have uh, when we return to this final state. Or to our natural state—that's what we should be—and um, this is the direction we are heading in, very, very rapidly.
0: Because I know you—you you just mentioned about food, and there are a few people, obviously, around who claim that they don't eat any food at all now. Is that the mm. sort of thing that you, you envisage happening? Well,
1: I think that's a bit excessive. Mm. I mean, I couldn't live without chocolate, for mm. example. Um, you know, and hopefully that'll be the same in the future. I must find a way of synthesising chocolate psychic yeah. Um But yes, it, it is true. As I say, there are people who claim to just exist on fresh air, and several studies I've read into um, uh, how these people live. That's it; that their claims seem to be accurate. And yes, so there's no reason why not. Um, again, everything is energy, so. If you can manipulate energy uh, psychically to create, um, let's say, proteins or whatever it is the body needs, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to live literally on, on just on energy itself.
0: Because I notice in uh, I think one of your books you you say about um, genetically modified crops and how we should avoid them at all costs. <sighs> um, isn't it a bit difficult to do that in reality because this. We don't know half the half the ingredients of food that we eat half the time anyway.
1: Well, um, th- there is only one answer to it, and that is to insist that supermarkets or wherever it is you buy your food from does not contain genetically modified ingredients. It, it's simple. Um, not, I'll give you an example of that. Marks and Spencers um, were the first people, I understand, to sell genetically modified tomato puree. And they started selling other genetically modified crops as well. And when people found this out and said to Marks, Marks and Spencers, we do not want you to sell genetically modified foods, Marks and Spencer stopped selling it. And this is the only way of creating change is to hit people in the pocket. Um, it's been very successful in, in Britain, for example. Um, we sell considerably. We buy considerably less genetically modified products than other Western countries, because people refuse to buy it. And I mean, let's face it: genetically modified crops have the potential to destroy all life on the planet, and that is, that is a very serious statement. Because once the genes get loose into the environment, and that pollen gets loose from those plants, gets loose into the environment. They cross with any other similar plant and therefore you end up with everything being genetically modified and that is a disaster because uh, there's no way of controlling it and especially when you add into this this terminator gene uh, which literally means that the plant will not set seed. It means that nothing going to grow on the planet and not only that. With genetically modified crops, uh, there's several studies recently published which show that the bee population is dying as a direct result of genetically modified pollen. Now, if you kill off the bees, it means that nothing gets pollinated. So the only thing that will grow on the planet is genetically modified crops. So if you stop buying genetically modified crops, then they won't grow them. Because everybody has to make a profit. This is what they're doing it for, is make a profit. If you cut off that profit, they'll stop doing it. So this is what we need to do with genetically modified crops, is say, no, I'm not going to buy this. I mean, everything that my wife and I buy in terms of food is organic, as far as it is possible to obtain it. And Where where we can't get organic, then we buy um, food that is locally produced, locally grown, that we know hasn't been treated by chemicals and certainly isn't genetically modified it's the only way of achieving it
0: okay um getting back to um the aliens and the velon and everything i think i read somewhere that you said that alien abductions have ceased on earth is that correct um
1: the the Most abductions were not done by aliens. The vast majority of abductions, whether it's animal mutilation or human abduction, was carried out by the military, the various countries, to make it look like alien abductions were occurring, to give everybody the impression that aliens were nasty. And this isn't the case. Apart from the Elon, all the other races are very friendly towards us and very helpful towards us. Now, the Greys, that race that we know as the Greys, have carried out some human experimentation, but they're mainly carried out on people who were first abducted by the military. So, this whole thing is a myth uh, being perpetuated to make it look like aliens are bad guys. And um, for whatever reason, there's all sorts of possible reasons why. The powers that be in governments want to make it look like it's, um, there's a nasty situation here. You know, think of movies like Independence Day, or if you go back to the 1950s when we first started seeing uh, science fiction movies, it was always the aliens were bad guys, or the H.G. Wells story of the um, War of the Worlds. So, it, it, there's this. Things through history, particularly the last 100, 150 years, of trying to say to people, aliens are not good for us. Uh, whereas in fact, the opposite is true. Um, if you look at the church, sorry, the religious side of things, for example, then um, the church has always maintained that we are the only living things in the universe. The universe was created for humanity. So if aliens exist, then it negates a great deal of Um, religious doctrine whereas in fact as I understand it, the Vatican has come out and said, well of course aliens exist I've read uh, transcripts of interviews with senior Vatican officials um, who have said that as far as they're concerned, alien races exist within the universe, I think the court was something like, it would be pretty stupid of God to leave everything to humans so of course these races exist but the abductions a man made.
0: Um, what some of what you say is quite similar to what David Ike is saying. Is he aware of your books, and do you have any contact with him at all? Uh,
1: no, I have no direct contact with him. Um, I know he's commented on um, my YouTube interviews and supported it. Um, but yes, I, you know, and I, really, I have to say, I haven't read any of his books for many years. I've only read two or three of his very early books. I haven't read any of his recent books. But from what I hear and what I understand, then yes, there are are a lot of similarities within his views on my own. Um, And all I can say to that is, as far as I'm concerned, I've got my information primarily from the Akashic, and then I've researched whatever it is, and as far as I'm able to research physically into things. And I know that David Icke is doing the same thing. He's researching as much as he possibly can into the physical aspect of research. Um, And inevitably, uh, where you hit upon the truth, then there's only one truth. And therefore, the similarities between my work and his work is because there's a truth to it.
0: Would you say that the VLAN are the same as the reptilians that David Icke says?
1: No, uh, no, they're not. Um, that's another very long story, right. <laughs> which no, obviously, we don't yeah, have time yeah. to go into. That one, um, but in fairness, he wasn't wrong with that. Um, the basic concepts of what he was talking about—the reptilian force for um, uh, how can I say—removing free choice from people—did exist, but they no longer exist within this universe, and they've been removed and their influence on humanity has been removed. And therefore, uh, as of at, at, at least 15 years ago, I think it is now, um, then that influence is no longer here. But in terms of how David Icke, um spoke about it and wrote about it, uh, within that context, then yes, he was essentially correct. But again, that's all been taken care of and everything, all of that influence has been removed. The reason um, why this reptilian race was able to do things is because they came, they actually came from a different universe, this is why I say it's a massively long story to go into the explanation of what, why and how and all the rest of it. And They should never have been here in the first place and they've been removed from this universe because the problems they were causing, uh, so they've gone. So no, there's nothing to worry about the reptilian side of things, uh, And that, that's all been sorted. Um, but I'll say within context, uh, then David Dyke was correct uh, in what he said.
0: Because you mentioned earlier about angels and channeling and so on, I just wanted to find out uh, what your belief is about angels. Are they the same as aliens, or or just sort of? I think you mentioned as messengers, as in the Bible and so on. What would you say about that?
1: Well. Yes, the original meaning of the word angel, um, in whichever ancient language you look at, whether it's Latin, Greek, uh, uh, um, Aramaic, um, Hebrew, whatever it is, the word angel means messenger. So that's common throughout all ancient languages. Um, and that the messenger uh, was usually between various uh, uh, departments of a priesthood or from one religious Belief system to another, so Christians would talk to Jews, let's say, and uh, the messenger carrying the messages would be an angel. That's that's the that's the original concept context for the word angel or the use of the word angel. Um, But there there is a deeper context to it as well. Um, essentially, there are two different types of soul within that exist within this universe. There are those that the Akashic calls non-physical. In other words, these are beings who exist in a pure soul energy form. They have no physical density whatsoever, and these are these could be considered angels in a biblical context because they were the first created by the Creator for this universe. And then we have um, what the Akashia calls semi-physical races, the, the, the so-called aliens, the non-terrestrial biological entities, because they have a physical form and a physical presence and a physical density, but, is, but it is constructed of very different frequencies to our own. So unless you happen to be particularly psychic, then you won't be able to see these aliens unless they decide to alter their own energy frequencies to make themselves visible to us. So, in terms of um, souls on Earth, 99% of every single person on the planet, their soul origin is the non-physical races. In other words, 99% of all human beings are closet angels within the biblical context. So... And it leaves 1% then of the population, their sole origin is that of the non physical races, uh, sorry, the semi physical races. So it's a very complex subject, and to just say aliens are this, uh, uh, sorry, angels are this, or angels are that, isn't quite so simple. and what most people consider, you know, we've had this angelic thing going on for about 20 years now. Well, I'm talking to my angel and my angel finds me a parking spot or this sort of thing. Um, what, when people are talking of angels within that context, what they're really talking about is their higher self. Not a separate entity at all, but just part of their own soul. It's just we have become so physical that we are detached, almost detached from our higher selves. And so when we communicate with something that is non-physical, we assume that it is a separate entity, whereas very often it is just being simply the higher self. So as far as most people's concept of what an angel is, say within the last 20 years or whatever it is, they're actually talking to their higher self, not to a separate entity at all. And so if your angel finds you a parking space, it isn't. It's your higher self that's found you the parking space, not somebody else.
0: Okay. I'm just going to ask you one more question to tie up the um, interview. The The idea that you've you've said about um, integrating the the soul into the human body, is that in any way similar to what people would say enlightenment or more recently coherence? I don't know if you've come across that term before.
1: Um, I haven't come across coherence in this context before, I have to say. Um, Enlightenment, um, yes, to a point. Um, What enlightenment means in its traditional sense is that basically you have connected with your higher self and therefore you can access all of the knowledge and information that is contained within the higher self or the higher self holds, which is vast. You know, it's it's the equivalent of the Akashic essentially. So everybody's higher self has all the answers that they could ever possibly want, Um, and that really is enlightenment. So what the Buddha went through, um, I would say, um, all the religious leaders, um, when they reach a state of enlightenment, then basically it's yes, they have connected with their higher selves. They've brought more of the higher self into the body and therefore they can access the knowledge and information that is contained within it. And uh, really this is what we are undergoing at the moment Um, and the process is set to accelerate. There are um, something like 3.9 million people on the planet who have already completed this reintegration process. Or within the context of what you were talking about, then they have reached enlightenment. 3.9 million people have already done that. Now, you won't see these people anywhere because they put psychic barriers up around them. If they're in the Western world, or most of the vast majority are living in sort of isolated tribal cultures. Uh, because, uh, let's face it, if if you're emanating the kind of energy patterns and auras that these people uh, emanate, then they're going to get turned into a new religion, and that just makes life confusing. So they hide themselves away until everybody else is caught up. So it is possible. It's not not a huge problem. All it requires is for people to do a little bit of work on themselves. Uh, in other words, it's clearing up emotional rubbish. Uh, that we all accumulate if you can get out of the way it allows room for the higher self to come in and that's all that we need to do is clear out the past to bring in the new and to bring in the higher self and with that we all reach this state of enlightenment of state of reintegrating the soul back into the physical body
0: Right, well I'm going to put, put an end to that now, thank you very much uh, Chris for all the information it's been fascinating talking to you and wish you well for the future. Thank you.
1: Great, thanks.